Welcome to Under Construction. I'm your host, Marilyn Strickland, CEO of the Seattle Metro Chamber. In each episode, we take you behind the scenes with the people and companies shaping our evolving region. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. And if you like what you hear, please rate us and subscribe. A special thank you to our sponsor, Advanced Professionals Insurance and Benefit Solutions. Welcome to a special episode of our podcast. This is my final episode of Under Construction as I step down as president and CEO of the Seattle Metro Chamber at the end of January. I've made the decision to run for Congress this year. Congressman Denny Heck's announcement that he will not seek re-election caught many of us by surprise, and it also presented an opportunity to step up and serve and build upon his legacy. I'm running to serve the district in Washington State with a focus on housing affordability, lowering health care costs, trade policies that respect both workers and make our ports competitive, the reality of climate change, job training, infrastructure investment, and policies that help make the economy more inclusive and resilient for all of us. I am so thankful for the incredible opportunity I had to lead the Seattle Metro Chamber. We've made great strides over the last two years, and I am confident that the Chamber will continue to work toward building healthy communities. Today for our final episode, we are joined by a very special guest host, Jenna Hanchard, who will ask me the questions. It has been a privilege to get to know our regional leaders better through this podcast. And to all the listeners who joined us on this journey, I want to give you a very special thank you. Now let's talk about Jenna for a minute. Jenna is an Emmy and Edward R. Murrow award-winning journalist who spent four years anchoring and reporting for King 5 News. She now serves as the Culture and Innovation Manager at The Riveter, a modern union of mothers, sisters, daughters, and allies fighting for equity and opportunity for working women. Jenna, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. I first met you, Marilyn, in Tacoma when you were the mayor of Tacoma. And I'm so happy to hear that you're running for Congress, that you're getting back in the game. Because when I first met you, I felt like, man, I'd never seen an elected official like this. I mean, you are just a boss in every way. And so I was so grateful that you invited me to be here so that we can kind of flip the microphone. So first... Thank you so much for having me. And also, congratulations on running for Congress. Thank you, Jenna. So I took some time to listen to the podcast. There were some things that I really enjoyed. I really liked the episode with Shanta Hyde. I loved when you talked about what was it like to be one of the only women of color in the room, especially in the aviation field. I really liked the episode where you talked with Gina Anderson about the origin story. That was really cool. You were really able to dive deep. So I want to ask you, what do you love about hosting this Under Construction podcast? So when we made the decision to do a podcast, it was you know something that the Chamber had never really done before. And we did it for a few reasons. You know, we wanted an opportunity to do a deeper dive into the companies and the people behind a lot of these brands that we know. And also talking to some folks who weren't necessarily as well known. And what I really enjoyed the most is that every guest had a really interesting personal journey to share. Everyone's career path is definitely not linear. And then also, too, that, you know, every guest was either employed by a chamber member who serves on the chamber board or was in a political realm that really touched economic opportunity and business advocacy. So just the diversity and variety of the guests that we were able to book was very, very special. And then also, too, just, you know, sharing these stories with a broad audience so that people can have an idea of, you know, 
the people behind the brands? Because sometimes, you know, we as consumers just kind of use products. We see brands all the time. We just have a certain impression on them. And you sometimes forget that these companies and organizations are run by people, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers. And so it was just really fun to get behind the scenes. Did anything surprise you about being a podcast host? I know that usually you're the one being interviewed, not the one interviewing. Well, you know, I would say the thing that really surprised me, although, you know, I mean, it's a surprise, but it's not. But the amount of preparation that goes on with the production team and the writing team and planning before you do this. And so you know this because, you know, you're a journalist, but, you know, you don't just have a guest on and suddenly just sit down and interview. I mean, you have to think about the questions you want to ask. You have to do background about your guest and you have to try to find a set of questions and flow that will bring out the best in them as an interviewee, but also help tell a compelling story. So I think what surprised me was just the amount of work that goes into preparing and then also the editing that takes place afterwards. Yes. Tell us about your very first guest and your very last guest. Who were they and what links them? Well, it's really interesting because um, Adrienne Brown was my first guest, and she was actually on the search committee that helped select me to be the president and CEO of the Seattle Metro Chamber. And Adrienne is a pioneer. She was the first of so many things. You know, she worked in technology. She worked in manufacturing for a while, and now she is with Flying Fish, which is a venture capital firm. And so she's just she's just a boss. I mean, she really, really is. And then, you know, if you go to the very last episode, we interviewed Sam Cho, who is a young Korean-American man. He just got elected to the Port of Seattle Commission, and keep an eye on him because he is definitely going places. But I'd say those are interesting bookends for a very nice few seasons that we did that included everyone from former governor. Governor Gary Locke, to you know, former Mayor Norm Rice, to folks who work at Alaska Airlines, to um, Mari Harita, who is with NHL Seattle. So just a lot of variety of different folks from different industries that really, again, helped give us a flavor of the people behind the scenes and the brands. And what recurred throughout the episodes? Was there anything common, any common themes you saw coming up? What was very delightful and I think um, enjoyable is that I asked people about their childhood experience. I asked people about their career journey. And as I said earlier, a lot of people did not have a linear path. I mean, there were some people who, from the time they were in high school, knew exactly what they wanted to do. But also, too, just the realization that life happens to you. And so, you know, the story about, you know, Norm Rice, I didn't know that he had run for Congress, that he had run for mayor, and he was, you know, pretty unsuccessful for a little while. And then it just worked out for him. And he has gone down in history as one of the most prolific mayors that the state of Seattle has ever had. You know, it was fun talking to Governor Gary Locke. And he told his story about his family being shopkeepers at the Pike Place Market when he was a kid and just learning his journey and how far he's gone. And so, again, just people shared humanity, the fact that everyone's path has not been linear, but also just understanding that there's so many different types of people who end up working for these amazing companies and organizations that call Seattle home. Let's talk about your path for a little bit. You did a great job of getting guests to open up and hearing their stories and hearing their backgrounds. Can you tell us about where you grew up and what you were like as a child? Absolutely. So, you know, I was born in Seoul. My mother is Korean. My father was African-American, and he met her because he was in the military. And that's a pretty common story for a lot of us, especially people of color who were here in the Pacific Northwest and the South Sound. It's funny that I've had these particular roles that are high-profile leaders roles, whether in politics or running the Seattle Metro Chamber. But I was actually really, really shy and an introvert as a kid. And 
oddly enough, I'm an introvert. And so, you know, when I need to be on, I'm great at being on, but sometimes I just need time to myself to completely decompress, which is actually not an uncommon thing you, you hear from folks who are high profile. And, you know, I grew up in, I would, I would call a lower middle class neighborhood in South Tacoma, um, a lot of young families, a lot of starter homes. And I just still remember during Halloween, for example, the neighborhood was just overrun with kids just everywhere. And when I think about what I love most about my childhood, it was the amount of time that I spent outside. We had a garden in our backyard, and I was always digging around in the yard or doing something. We took advantage of these amazing amenities like great public parks. I used to go swimming at South End Pool when I was a kid, um, riding bikes for hours at a time, just hopping on your bike and saying, I'll be back at lunch, and you come back. And then like, I'll be back at dinner, and you come back. And then you have to come home when it's dark. And it almost sounds like an idyllic childhood. And in many ways, it was because we just... We just enjoyed being kids and we felt safe and we felt secure because there were so many other people around us all the time. And so that's my favorite childhood memory, just being outside all the time and just being active and just enjoying being a kid. I love that. Was there anything, if anything, that was hard for you and your family growing up? I would say that, you know, being in a place of the Pacific Northwest during the time when I grew up in the 70s, it's, you know, there weren't a lot of people of color. And so it wasn't as though there were overt actions that took place, but there's always kind of a bit of a subtext of otherness, you know, otherness. And some examples I use was, you know, I remember when I would bring, you know, some of my friends home from school and they would come to our house and they were like taken aback that you had to take your shoes off to come in the house. I mean, a lot of people do that now anyway, but it was very much about being in a Korean household where you took your shoes off. And then I remember, you know, some of the food that my mom ate and some of my friends would be like, what is that? That's so unusual. And so, and, you know, I jokingly tell people that, you know, Korean is the new black now. But back in the day, it was like, what, what is this? It's, it's, it's odd. It's, it smells strange. And so mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that's hard, but mm-hmm. just kind of this feeling of otherness that you would, that, that you often had to endure. And then also too, just, you know, the demographic profile of the neighborhood we grew up in and where we grew up. I mean, you know, there just weren't that many families of color where we grew up. And, you know, we're, we're in the Pacific Northwest, so it is what it is. But just some of those challenges that you, challenges that you have, just, just kind of, again, just the whole idea of otherness. Absolutely. I'd love to hear more about your time at the Chamber. So how did you and how you ended up here? I mean, yeah. you were mayor of Tacoma, right. which was amazing. Uh, and then you came over to the Chamber. So why did you join the Chamber? So I was term limited. And so, you know, different cities have different systems of local government. So in the city of Tacoma, you have term limits. And so by charter, you can only serve 10 consecutive years as a council member, and you can only serve two terms as mayor. So I served my two terms. Um, you know, the December of 2017 was the last month of my opportunity to lead the city. And I'd say probably around October, November, I started getting phone calls and messages and emails from different um, recruiting firms for different positions. And, you know, I knew the Seattle Chamber because I had participated in some of their regional leadership organizations. I had won an award from them the previous year. And so when the opportunity came around, I was very open-minded about it, met with the search committee, the executive committee, and it just seemed like a really good opportunity. And what was interesting about that is that there were some people who were like, well, what is someone from Tacoma doing coming up to Seattle to the Seattle Metro Chamber? Mm -hmm. And I tell people, it's just 30 miles. It's not as though I was moving to San Diego or something. And so, and, and also too, though, it really speaks to this idea of, why we need to think more regionally. Because when you go to most metropolitan regions, the difference between Seattle and Tacoma is not that far. But because of traffic patterns, because our lack of investment in mass transit, it feels that way. And so what I like about 
having the chance as a Tacoma resident to lead the Seattle Chamber is that I was really preaching the gospel of regionalism. And that is something that most major metro areas around the world have embraced. Now, there are municipal boundaries that we do not control, but business and commerce, they don't know boundaries. They just have customers. They get it done. And so I love the fact that there was an opportunity to really help promote regionalism. And are we there yet? No. But I think as we grow, as we invest more in mass transit, as people become more mobile between different cities up and down the I-5 corridor, you will see that ethos of regionalism really start to shine through. Absolutely. I love that you're promoting that. When I lived in Tacoma, I live in Seattle now, but my friends from Seattle would not come visit me. Right. They would be like, it's too far. I'm like, too far? It's not that far. Yep. And I tell people when I lived in Atlanta, for example, the distance I would drive to get from my apartment in downtown to go to work is like it was further than to come in Seattle. And so, again, it's, it's, it's just your mindset and how you think about the whole idea of regionalism. You're listening to Under Construction with Marilyn Strickland. Special thank you to our sponsor, Advanced Professional Insurance and Benefit Solutions. Advanced Professionals provides insight and expertise to simplify wholesale healthcare benefits so small and medium-sized businesses can be stronger, healthier, and better positioned for the future. Okay, so what was your favorite part of being the Chamber's CEO and what surprised you? You know, I would say that the part I really enjoyed the most about being at the Seattle Metro Chamber is just we just have some amazing people who work there and a very thoughtful and supportive board of directors and executive committee from the minute I walked in. They didn't quite know what to expect. Even though you interview someone and you think you pick someone, you don't know how they perform till they get there. But everyone was very supportive, very helpful. And I really feel as though, you know, when you're a leader of an organization, your job is to cultivate leaders and to make them better and to challenge them. And so I've actually watched some of the folks in the chamber in leadership positions actually evolve themselves. I mean, they were always talented, but it was just fun to see, to watch them kind of come into their own, to become more confident and to watch them. So I'd say that's been the best part of it. But also, too, watching the way the business community has really stepped up to do some big things. You know that in Seattle sometimes, all this growth that we've had and some of the problems that come with it, sometimes people have said, well, it's all business's fault, all these things. And I, you know, I remind folks that there was a time when the business community in Seattle was not nearly as robust as it is. You know, there's a group called the Business Roundtable out of Washington, D.C., and it's some of the CEOs of the largest organizations in the country who are big businesses. And they've even come to understand that in the 21st century, shareholder value cannot just be the top priority for business. They have to take care of their employees first. They have to look at what they're doing to improve the communities in which they operate and exist. And if you do those two things well, the business success and profitability will come along with it. And that's a very 21st century mindset. But I think that companies that are moving forward, that are progressive, that want to be successful, understand that when employees are looking for where they want to work now, they are asking questions about what your community involvement is. They want to know what you're doing about climate change. What are you doing with social justice? And so those things now are starting to become embedded in what people expect with business. And Jenna, what I love about the Seattle Metro Chamber is that We now have added as part of our mission statement, equity and inclusion. It's not some sidebar. It's not something that's five layers down. So the mission statement of the Seattle Metro Chamber now reads, we are the business advocacy organization that helps our members thrive in an equitable and inclusive regional economy. We're putting down a flag. We are understanding that that is what matters as you look at what you have to do to be successful in the 21st century. 
Absolutely. For those listening to this podcast, rewind that last part and listen again, (laughs) because that is so important. That is exactly what's needed in the 21st century. Well, it's how you stay relevant and influential and and, and, and how you run a successful business now. Yes, absolutely. Okay, what opportunities are there for the chamber in the future? I would say the opportunities for the chamber is that, you know, you stay true to your mission and vision and you are unapologetically an advocacy organization for your members. And there are 2,600 employers who belong to the chamber. 80% of them are small businesses with 100 or fewer employees. So there's this ecosystem that we're all part of. As far as opportunities for the chamber, I would say keep building upon the refined mission. We have some amazing programs that we have either incubated or launched out of the chamber. So there is a program called the Housing Connector. And we were able to work with landlords and property owners to help them identify possible tenants for their vacant apartments. So we, we serve like a bridge between human services agencies and property owners to make sure that these units were filled quickly and also helping some of the folks who were renters get secure housing and helping some of the landlords understand that sometimes there are folks who may not have an ideal credit history, they may have an eviction history, but it's worth taking the risk because we were, we were very thoughtful and thorough about making sure they were able to be securely housed. And so that program has been very successful. I'd say to date, we have helped house over 300 people, and the vast majority of those who are housed are people of color. And so that's really a program where we're making a difference, we're having an impact, and we're helping people get housed. The Seattle Metro Chamber was named one of Seattle's 100 best companies to work for. And that is not an accident because the people who made that happen are the employees who answered a questionnaire. And sometimes when you ask employees how they feel about a company, you don't always get a good answer. (laughs) And so the fact that that was something that we achieved, I I think, was a really big deal. And then also, too, you know, I would say that our staff has done a really good job of making sure that our board and our executive committee is a reflection of the entire community we serve. We have small businesses, we have large businesses, we have nonprofits, we have some of the largest global corporations. We are looking at a cross-section of people by race, ethnicity, age, sexual orientation. And so we want to make sure that this board is truly inclusive. And we have some work to do still, but we have made great progress in a short period of time. That's amazing. So I've heard you've asked others on this show, and there have been a lot of great and different answers. What do you think the business community could do better as we move forward together in our changing region? I would say that we have to be at the table and we have to be willing to take a stand about what we're for. I think that historically, you know, there's been a tendency for people in the business community to just come out when they oppose something. And you have to come together and say, here's what we're for. And even when there are some big challenges, be willing to come to the table and say, look, whatever baggage existed beforehand, we are here to be willing partners, thoughtful partners. And it doesn't mean that you will always be in complete agreement or that you will always align completely with everything. But you have to step up and you have to say to our elected officials, our nonprofit community, and other and, and your peers in business and say, look, we have a role to play here. Let's sit down. Let's talk about what problem we're trying to solve. Let's figure out how we get there together to solutions that work and figure out how we can get this done. It won't be perfect every time, but you, you have to step forward and talk about what you're for. All right. So it's 2020. We have a new city council. The city is rapidly changing. What are your thoughts on how the city is addressing its most pressing challenges, including housing affordability, homelessness and transportation? So the challenges that you just named are complicated. Mm -hmm. 
they require nuance, and in many cases, they require more resources. And so I would say that, you know, during the last Seattle City Council election, you know, when people run for office, and I'm about to do it myself, you know, mm-hmm. you you talk a lot about what you want to do, what you hope to do, and there's what I call the lofty campaign rhetoric. And then you get the job, and you have to switch over to governing and legislating. And, you know, regardless of who gets elected, the problems are still sitting in front of you. And people expect you to be thoughtful about trying to resolve them. When it comes to housing insecurity and transportation, you know, these issues that we face in Seattle and the region have been decades in the making. There's not like one specific answer that's going to solve everything. But the willingness to have a thoughtful, nuanced conversation to come up with plans that can actually make an impact. And, And I would say, too, especially with the housing insecurity part, is that, you know, we do not have enough housing for people. That's just a fact. I mean, they're, you know, 225,000 units short over the last decade. So you're not going to make that up in a year or even five years. But you have to come up with a sustainable plan so that you can do things. And when I think about the housing situation in Seattle, for example, you know, we have zoning that really limits the amount of housing that you can build. So are there things you can do from a policy perspective that will help add more housing? And then, you know, what resources do you need and how do you do it together? And that's the same thing with transportation. I mean, Seattle Seattle actually has a pretty darn good public transportation system, but regional connectivity leaves a lot to be desired. So how, how do we work on those together? That's it. All right. And what did you learn in your time at the chamber that makes you a proud regional champion of regional business? I would say the business community definitely wants to step up and understands that it has a role to play. And the other thing I learned, too, is that, you know, and this is coming from local government myself, is that government alone does not have sufficient resources to address all these issues by themselves. And I tell folks that, you know, with housing, for example, there has to be some kind of partnership with the development community and the people who are actually building the homes, whether it's a housing authority or a private developer. And so how do you find ways to work together so that we're actually making progress on adding more housing? The other thing I would say that I've learned at the chamber is that And I didn't know. I mean, I think it's something that we all knew, but we are so lucky to live where we live. Mm. We have a booming economy. Great things are happening. We have unparalleled natural beauty up and down the entire I-5 corridor. You got that right. And it really is a a glorious place to live. But that prosperity that we're seeing is not shared by all people. Mm -hmm. And if an economy is going to work, it has to work for everyone. So what are we doing to reach out to have geographic equity of where high-wage jobs are located in the region? Right. And what are we doing to make sure that when we talk about high-wage jobs, that that workforce is a reflection of the entire community? And that's going to take some time and effort. Right. So why now? Why Congress? <laughs> I know. So I've, I've been asked a few times if I've lost my mind and why would you do this? And I, I would say a few things. You know, some, I mean, when I talk about the podcast and what we've done next, you know, so many people have an origin story. And who raised you? And, you know, I come from parents and lineage where, you know, people were suffering from oppression. They were being denied basic civil rights and human rights. And so when I think about the story of my parents meeting each other, I was born in Korea. We came back to the States, and I still tell the story of my father wearing his army uniform, my mother with her one-and-a-half-year-old baby daughter, driving around in the middle of the night in Virginia, being unable to find a motel room because no one would rent to them during that period. And you think about how that experience informs what was important to them, the values that they instilled in me, and how it is a responsibility for me to carry things forward. And I think about the opportunities that are there when it comes to 
federal government doing more to invest in housing, federal government doing more to support local communities because there's an opportunity, and also, too, just the opportunity to, um, again, be a first. You know, I would be the first African-American woman who is part of the Washington State delegation. I would be the first Korean-American woman in the history of Congress to win an election and to get there. Yes. And so there's the idea of representation, but also, too, just the ability to do the work, to represent a very, very diverse district. And I don't mean diversity just in terms of race, gender, ethnicity, and sexual orientation. I mean diversity in rural, urban, suburban, people right. from all walks of life. And it's, you know, it's it's a challenge that I'm ready for, but it's also an opportunity just to continue to serve the community that I love so much. Absolutely. Let's talk about that a little bit, because as you mentioned, you were mayor of Tacoma through term limits, clearly committed to this area. Talk about it, what it means for you to lead that region that you love. Yeah, I mean, you know, people don't all get the opportunity to do something like this. And you think about people who run for office and, you know, people do things for a lot of different reasons. But for me, it really is about the opportunity to make positive change to move things forward, to think about not just the people who came before me, but the people who will come after me. And how do you leave a legacy so that you can say, we left this place better than it was when I got here? Now, if you look at what's happening right now in the political climate, it doesn't feel that way. I mean, you see things that are being rolled back. You see progress going in the wrong direction. You see a lot of divisiveness when it comes to political discourse. And how do we just press pause for a second and say, okay, we're better than this. We have to be if we're going to solve some of these big problems. And that's the voice I want to bring. If I'm lucky enough to be elected, I'm going in there with my eyes completely wide open because this is going to be a tough, tough gig. But I do believe that if you have the opportunity to form relationships, to find common ground, to move things forward, it can be done. The thing about being a mayor is that we weren't focused on political parties. We were just focused on doing the work and getting it done. And so I think that's a very different lens than some people bring to politics. Am I going to presume that everyone wants to work with me? No. But you have to take the time to form relationships and make an effort. And I'm willing to make that effort. And it's going to be a hard grind. I'm no denying that. Awesome. Marilyn, thank you again for everything that you've done for the chamber, for the region, for the business community. And may I add for women and for women of color, I definitely look up to you. I'm super excited for your next adventure. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for everything that you've done as well, Jenna. So as we wrap up my final episode of Under Construction, again, a big thank you to all of our listeners. This was an amazing opportunity. It was great to tell our stories. And sometimes we think we're so divided and we're so far apart. And it's just a matter of getting to know each other, sharing our stories and letting ourselves be vulnerable. So thank you again, everyone. And I'm signing off for now. You've been listening to Under Construction with Marilyn Strickland. Special thank you to our producers, Alicia Teal and Maggie Wilson of the Seattle Metro Chamber, and our engineers at Cloud Studios here in Seattle. And thank you to our sponsor, Advanced Professionals Insurance and Benefit Solutions.